Hello, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV series, The Walking Dead. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Talking Dead. This is episode number 30, 30. for, yeah, number 30 for November the 8th, 2010. We are going to talk about the new episode of The Walking Dead entitled Guts that was broadcast last night. Mm-hmm. We're also, before that, we're going to take a look back at last week with a few, uh, well, with some feedback from from viewers, from listeners. Man, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, they viewed the show. That's true. They viewed the show. Viewers true as listeners. Listeners, true. viewers of the show, listeners to us. Uh, we have some look backs. Look backs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. We have some emails, also called look backs. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. Um, about some of the things we were wondering last week. So we'll look at those. Good. We've got ratings information. Sweet. And uh, after that, we'll get into our recap of this week's episode. So, first, let's look at the ratings, shall we? Woohoo! For the premiere of The Walking Dead, <clears throat> it it's good. The the news is good. Good, I'm glad. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, um, the it, it was the largest audience ever for an AMC premiere. That's that's great. It was the highest rated cable series premiere in 2010. Really? That's. That's big news. Uh, it can't be true. <clears throat> Apparently. Uh, now, the actual numbers are a little bit uh, up in the air. AMC is reporting the 11.6 million people tuned in. Wow. Um, and they're reporting that all over their website. But sort of everywhere else on the internet, they're reporting that 5.3 million viewers watched the premiere uh, in its first broadcast, and a total of 8.3 million um, when, you, when you add up the rebroadcasts that happened right after. Well, that, that's good. That adds up to 11, doesn't it? Or higher? Uh, higher. Higher. See, that's the thing. 8.3 is the total. They, another 3 million watched it after the 5.3, I think, is what that means. Or it could be <clears throat> uh, you know, a total of 11.6 million people tuned in. Distinct people? It could whereas be. Whereas there's some overlap between that 5.3 and the 8.3? I did watch it twice, almost, but one and a half times. I, I Yeah, I, I watched it, I don't know, I watched it twice and a half. I mean, on the night. Since oh. then, I've watched it three or four times. Well, I watched it the <laughs> night of and then the next day before yeah. we did the show, and then I watched the first 10 minutes again. But I mean, on Sunday night, I watched it full through, and then I just let it run again as it rebroadcast. So I'm wow. one of those additional extra people. Um, I recorded it three times. Well, there night. you go, just to be safe, eh? Yeah, I recorded <laughs> the show before it, the show, the show, and the show, because I played it three times back to back. You might as well. Yeah. In the very important 18 to 49 demographic, there were 3.6 million viewers. So, great numbers. That is good. Um, When you're talking about points, and I had to look up exactly what TV rating points were, because although I watch a lot of TV, I don't understand it. I give TV points. (laughs) Well, there you go. But I don't think that's what they mean. What would you score, The Walking Dead? I would give it a total of five out of five points. Very good. What it actually recorded was first reported at 3.2, but the final ratings dropped it down to 2.7, although I did see reports of 3.7 and even over 4. So Hmm. we all know the internet is a reliable source for information. Of course. But it also can be 
um, a, a reliable source for misinformation. Well, I also think the rating system is, uh, you know, it depends on how you add up the numbers. <clears throat> I think it changes too, right? Yeah, probably. They get initial numbers, and then they refine the numbers, and then they change the formula, and then they change it back, and they play with it until they get a number they like. Yeah, I looked up what points are, and it's some sort of calculation based on an assumption that they make from the roughly 5,000 or so Nielsen homes that are you know, currently in America. Right. Um, and, and what the number actually means, so if it was a 2.7, they figure that 2.7% of American homes were watching The Walking Dead. Wouldn't that, that translate directly <clears throat> into 2.7% of the 5,000 Nielsen families watch the show? Yeah, but it's more complicated than that, I think. Why, though? I don't know. I That's what I mean. I don't really understand it. But 2.7% of everyone with a TV, uh, or maybe it's everyone in the country. Probably not. Probably everyone with a TV. Yep. They can estimate that number. Okay. That's a lot of people. I mean, that's amazing. 2.7%. It's hard to get that many people to do anything together. It, it really is. The only two, uh, the only shows that beat it... Um, non-sports shows were Undercover Boss, which scored a 3.0, and Desperate Housewives, which scored 3.5. Hmm. Uh, Desperate Housewives, of course, is a popular show that's been around a long time, so I'm not surprised uh, that it does well. I guess it's popular. I don't personally watch it, but I don't know. I've watched it now and again. And you enjoy it? I've enjoyed it now and again. Okay. Uh, Undercover Boss is a reality show where the CEO of, and I had to look this up too, a CEO of a company yep. goes into his work in disguise That's right. to see how things really run. Right. This sounds fun, but I've never seen that show either. Well, yeah. I mean, it depends on whether they have a sign called Undercover Boss with the camera crew that <laughs> follows this, guy's, this guy around. <laughs> That's right. You think somebody would clue in. Uh, who's that guy with the camera crew? Yeah, I don't know who that would is. Would he be the boss? <laughs> Depends what industry you're in. I don't know. Uh, And then, of course, sports beat it because we were right in the middle of the baseball playoffs, the World Series. (laughs) Frankly, I hate to admit it, but I didn't even know that. Until after, and I saw these ratings. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised it took you a while to come up with the name of the uh, the sports playoff. The baseball playoffs. The World Series. <laughs> baseball and football scored higher, like uh, 9.0 and well, stuff like that. Well, they always would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get 9% or 10% of the population watching the World Series. I'm surprised it wasn't higher, to tell you the truth. Well, whatever. The point <clears throat> is you can't really compare a new show or any kind of scripted dramatic show to a sports broadcast. They're different animals altogether. Uh, especially the Super Bowl or the, you know, the what do you call it? World Series. World Series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a sports fan. We got the Stanley Cup playoffs up here, and we're good with that. Yeah. All right. Well, we won the World <clears throat> Series twice. I'll bet you t- like 20% at least of our population watches the Stanley Cup finals. <laughs> oh, if not higher. If not higher, oh, This yeah. is Canada. I know. It's true. Uh, now, according to AintItCool.com, Mad Men, Breaking Bad, two other AMC shows, and Dexter, that's HBO? Uh, Showtime. Showtime. Have all only peaked at 0.9, so wow. 0.9% of people. Rubicon, the, the newest AMC show uh, before The Walking Dead, never got above 0.4. That's because everybody fell asleep. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> and Sons of Anarchy pulls in a 1.6. <clears throat> Sons know. of Anarchy, they they list because uh, one of the directors of that show is directing one of our episodes, too, in The ah. Walking Dead. Uh, finally, according to HitFix.com, Boardwalk, the Boardwalk Empire premiere scored 4.8, so that's pretty good. See, that's what I was uh, I was thinking. Here. Oh, the sorry. Rated, 
uh, cable series premiere in 2010. Boardwalk Empire beats that. No, it, it got 4.8 million viewers. It didn't score 4.8. Oh, I see. 4.8 million viewers is less than the 5.3 that The Walking Dead got. Oh. The point is, it got 4.8 million viewers on AMC and was renewed the next day. Hmm. So The Walking Dead pulls 5.3. You think it's just a matter of time before they uh, greenlight the second season. Yes and no. I mean, having it premiere on Halloween was a genius move and probably attributed to a lot of those viewers. It turned out to be smart, eh? Yeah. We questioned that a little bit, but obviously the studio execs know what they're doing. At the, least, Well, yeah. At least in this case, right? It is their job. <laughs> it, it is their job. Um, and finally, for a point of comparison, Mad Men, the Mad Men Season 4 finale scored 2.5 million viewers. So that uh, that is a pretty good uh, <clears throat> indicator that... This sucker's going to get picked up again. Well, all in all, I'd say it was a massive success. I, I would, I would agree with that. Massive. I would begrudgingly success. agree with the massive success. You know it, and and I can't help but think I, you know, I don't know anything more beyond the demographic of eighteen to forty nine, where it was three point six million. That's a big demographic. That's a big one. Yeah. It, sometimes they narrow it a little bit, but when you have five point three million people watching a new show, there has to be a good percentage of that. Uh, of people that aren't necessarily into this sort of thing, if you know what I mean. Right. Like, there's probably dorks like us, and their wives are watching it, which both of ours did. Dork wives. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Lucky we found them. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's probably a lot of those people that tuned in because they somehow got caught up in the hype a little bit, or they got turned on to the show by by somebody else who's already into it, and that's great. Right. You know, we got some non we got some non traditional horror viewers, sort of. That that's great. If you know what I mean. I do. <laughs> non traditional horror viewers. So there we go. AMC, please renew it for season two. I think we have spoken as viewers. You, you think that? Yeah. <laughs> I know we have spoken. And, you and I have spoken. <clears throat> and that's what we want. <laughs> um so let's look at some feedback from sure. uh, our listeners uh regarding our show last week and of course episode one of The Walking Dead. This comes from Evan in Virginia Beach. He sent an email. It's regarding bodies outside the hospital and some of the weapons we talked about. Evan says, One thing that I have not heard mention was in the scene where Rick exits the hospital and walks through the area of wrapped bodies. Did you notice there were broken bricks next to several corpse heads? <laughs> this may have just been debris, but I wondered if some poor hospital janitor or intern doing triage of the wounded was left out there with a brick to bash in the head of the walkers. <laughs> I did notice a hole in the wall, the, the wall of the hospital. I think uh, some of the military were uh, shooting very large rounds at the hospital at some point. Well, or, there were gunshots inside the hospital, but you saw it outside too? Yeah, I think I saw a part of the wall, uh, like a hole in it, like it was collateral damage of some kind of battle, I'm not sure, but uh, I think that might account for the bricks. But I do like the idea of the intern being left outside with a brick. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. like we're, we're going to be bringing the dead out and lining them up here. Yeah. If any of them get back up again, here's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> Triage, yeah. <laughs> So I did notice the bricks, especially when I watched it a second and third time. I never really thought about it beyond, hey, look, there's some bricks, but that's a good, I like the idea. Yeah, it sounds fun. (laughs) Why not? Evan goes on to talk about the gun that he took off the soldier. He says, I believe it was a Beretta 9mm and should have 15 rounds per mag. One might believe the other weapons, like the 50 cal, is a great idea, but without knowing Rick's history, he may not have the training to effectively operate such a weapon. 
And the reality is those type of weapons require a certain amount of maintenance and pre-fire checks prior to just grabbing hold of it and rocking and rolling. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, so he's right about that, uh, uh, the Beretta 9mm. <clears throat> we did. We found that out in episode two. Yeah, he mentions it. Not 9mm, but he mentions Beretta and 15 rounds. 15, uh, yeah, that's right. He mentions the number of rounds too. So that's exactly what it was. And, you know, it. I'm not... I don't know too much about weaponry and stuff like that, but I wouldn't think that anyone could just stand up, grab a big gun on top of a tank, and start shooting. Yeah. I mean, pretty much all I know about uh, fifty caliber is uh, what I saw in the movies. <clears throat> Basically, it's got two handles, and somewhere on the right-hand side is some kind of thing to cock it. And you can kick a lot of ass. And you can kick a lot Shoot of ass. Lot but, of yeah, ass. I mean, it's, you know, it's... Not exactly a pre- precise fire thing. I mean, you kind of shoot in a general direction. I think there's a lot of uh, rocking and rolling that goes on. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so that's good. That's good to know that... Uh, it's, about, about, it, it's it's kind of an anti-equipment weapon. It's not really an anti-personnel weapon. No, but against zombies, it would tear, tear them up, I got to yeah. think. You know? Yeah. Uh, moving on, this comes from Matt, also regarding the guns in the tank. He says, During the initial gunfight, when Rick informs his hillbilly deputy to make sure you have a round in the chamber and the safety off, you see the deputy pull the slide back, perform a brass check, and then click off the safety. The only problem with this is that the gun he was carrying was a Glock, and Glocks do not have safety selectors. I will have to find it, but there was an article written about how popular Glocks are to use in movies, but every movie gets it wrong and has people clicking off safeties that don't exist. Okay. So I did not know that about Glocks. Neither did I. Uh, But uh, I do like the fact that there's a term called brass check for checking to make sure the round is in the chamber. That is cool. I did not know about that term, and I will now use that term. Uh, from now on. You can adopt it for something else, maybe. Brass check. Because you're probably not going to be shooting a Glock anytime soon. No, I will not be checking for brass in any of the weapons I don't own. <laughs> All right. Uh, so when you go home tonight and your wife asks you, uh, what you're, what are you going to do? What are you going to do now? You can say, I'm going to go do a brass check and then maybe go to bed. There you go. All right. Sweet. She won't know what I'm talking about. She'll ask, and I'll have to explain the whole thing. Matt goes on to say, The tank in the show was not an M1 Abrams, but I can understand that they intended it to be but couldn't get their hands on an actual Abrams. Okay. I have been inside an Abrams a couple of times before, though, and there is not that much room. It is pretty cramped. Okay. Well, I thought it was an, an Abrams M1, and I guess I was mistaken because I don't know from tanks. Well, that's okay. I mean, uh, he Matt didn't mention what kind of tank it is, but... Um, you know, the point is there's not a lot of room in there. Yeah, a lot- that seemed like a lot of room inside of a tank. <laughs> well, you need you need a little bit of room for our. You could start a fire and you know cook some squirrels and stuff in there. <laughs> you probably could. I was gonna say you need a bit of room for him to move around, but yeah, I guess it wasn't totally realistic. Speaking of the tank, Don wrote in. Oh no, he posted on our Facebook page to say. That an Abrams has a crew of four, not three. Um, Whether it was an Abrams tank or not, uh, it's probably similar. So the crew is the commander, the driver, the gunner, and the loader. There is a loader. Okay, that's good to know. Yep. The cannon isn't auto-loaded. It has to be done manually. That's what the loader does. Oh, man. I was way off on this tank. That's okay. A bullet fired through someone's head at close range like that inside a tank would almost certainly ricochet around inside the compartment until it spent its energy or ended up in something. That bullet <laughs> didn't bounce at all. It it Rick must have got lucky and it embedded in something right on the other side of that zombie's head. Well, I'll assume <laughs> that uh, when he fired the round and his hearing went, that it was bouncing around and ended up in something. And he got lucky. We just didn't hear it. And Be- he got lucky. Because heroes like that 
are typically the lucky characters. They have to be. They have to be. Han Solo couldn't do what he did without being a lucky guy. No. Same goes for Rick Grimes. And uh, Don goes on to say, an escape hatch in the bottom isn't unusual for tanks. Really? It's so you can get out if it's flipped over. And really, hey, that, that's a good idea. It really makes a lot of sense. It does. You know? Um, there isn't that much room in a tank. Space is where you put equipment, fuel, armor, and weapons. You don't leave that much empty space. Right. Also makes sense. It's like a space shuttle. You just take what you need, and you pack it all in, and then you go. Hmm. Um, and finally, he says the internet has far too much information on it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Don. I assume you looked up a lot of that online. <laughs> well, I guess uh, my knowledge of tanks is way off base. You know what? It's it's expanding right here, right it is, now. It is expanding. And TV has shown me information about tanks that I thought I accumulated correctly in my head. Obviously, that's not the case. That's okay. Finally, Victor sent us an email regarding the Magic Hatch and Rick's suicide. He says, uh, I want to start off with saying that I really enjoy your show and Thank enjoy you. listening to it every week. Thank you, sir. I wanted to comment briefly on the Magic Hatch and Rick's fake-out suicide. Now, I've seen the premiere many times since it has aired, and I don't know if you two noticed it, but Rick sighs in relief the moment he looks up and sees the hatch. My guess is that he was too distracted trying to escape that he didn't notice it, and since it, since it was mainly taken from his point of view, we, the audience, did not see it as well. And to agree with Chris, Rick, at least from what we've seen in the premiere, doesn't seem like a man who would kill himself. Anyway, I know this message is all over the place, but you guys are well-spoken and all that junk. Love the show and keep it up. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> so, you know, obviously it's he looked uh, relieved when he saw it. I mean, he was about to fire, shoot himself in the head. Yep. And uh, turns out he didn't have to. No. So Always a, a good thing. Always a good thing, for sure. I did go back. We, we we were wondering last week how many shots he'd fired. I went back and watched it. He did, in, fire, in fact, shoot five times. That's great. And that last one, I guess, was for him. Okay, because I just sort of went by feel. It seemed like five rounds, and I know the uh, the revolver held six. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's good. I counted it. He shot five times, put the gun to his head, and then climbed in a tank. For episode two, oh, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, I didn't... Yeah, episode two. <laughs> uh, a couple other things I noticed while rewatching it. The police car at the beginning, the very beginning, where Shane and Rick are sitting there talking, is the same one that Rick takes to drive to Atlanta after the zombie outbreak. Okay, so we same, were right there. Same license plate. Right, so, okay, good. Did we talk about that? Well, we talked about the, uh, the little girl being zombie number five or six, I forget what number exactly, but we mm -hmm. assumed that that happened after leaving Morgan, but before getting to Atlanta. Well, it had to have because he had his car and he had his uniform on, stuff exactly. like that. So I that, just, was, that was a car. I just noticed that it was the same exact car. Like, it's like he had his squad car that was his, yep. maybe, and he took the same one when he we left for Atlanta. Good. Um, in the scene where Dwayne is sitting on a mattress in the house reading comics, there is an Invincible comic on the mattress sitting beside him. And Invincible, of course, is another Robert Kirkman book. Oh, perfect. So... It occurred to me to go and check that out because I wasn't sure if if you saw any of the comic books, but I did remember the scene where Morgan says to him, stay down here, read your comics. I'm going upstairs to do something. Yep. And I'm like, comics, I should go and see. So I took the, the high-def version that I bought from the iTunes store, opened it up in a uh, in QuickTime so I could blow it way up, yeah. and I blew it up as far as I could, and it's very distinctly an invincible comic lying on that mattress. Outstanding. So- Pretty good. 
Um, and that's it. I didn't notice anything else, although I've watched it like four times now. And uh, I'm glad to say it gets better every time. Let's move on to our recap of episode two, shall we? We shall. So, episode number two, it's entitled Guts. Guts. Appropriate. Yep. We open on the camp. Now, the camera camera follows a long shot of Amy's ass as she's walking along. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she eventually gets to a little fire pit where, where Lori is, and she's bringing her a bucket of mushrooms. They have a brief exchange about whether you can eat them or not, if they're poisonous. And then Lori leaves to pick up some more mushrooms. She walks out into the forest, and she starts to get freaked out by something sneaking up on her. Uh-huh. And, of course, everyone thinks it's a zombie, or maybe it's just a an animal or oh, something like that. I thought like it was going to be the Vatos. Oh, this early, eh? That's what I thought. Last hmm. week, that's what I thought. That didn't, uh, that didn't occur to me. We talked about it on the show. Really? Yeah. Oh, geez. I should pay attention. <laughs> you watched the show five times. But... Yeah. Jeez. I don't know. Uh, we, we get that really typical kind of character view out of her eyes of her looking around the forest where the camera sweeps across really fast like it's her head moving. Yeah. Turns out it's Shane. And they lie down and have sex. Okay. So I have a problem with this. I, and I have a problem for one of two reasons. You can pick which reason uh, you like best for me having a problem. One is uh, this seems like a really cheap shot. Uh, just a cheap scare, kind of a cat jumping out of a wardrobe kind of scare. Uh, so from a, uh, you know, from a, a story point of view, it seemed like kind of a cheap shot. I totally agree with you. I, I, I had, I can't think of any reason why they would pull something like that okay. in character. This is my other reason. If if this actually, you, you take this out of the the storytelling aspect and you put it to the in character aspect, Shane's got the shittiest sense of humor on the planet. If he thinks that sneaking up and grabbing a hold of somebody in the woods during a zombie apocalypse is funny, yeah, exactly. And she enjoys it, and she kind of liked it. Exactly. She wasn't pissed or anything. She just kind of she was. The, she had a scared look on her eyes, like she didn't recognize me. Who the hell? Oh. Oh, it's this guy. Okay, well, let's have sex. Yeah. No, I didn't like it at all. I mean, from for for both reasons you've said, and also just because it's been done a million times. Right. Where someone sneaks up for no reason and and scares scares the person for the benefit of the audience yes. at the expense of the narrative of the show. Yeah. Right? And I, I really didn't like it at all. Um, But the point is, he was out there waiting for her yeah. to meet her for a... Rendezvous? A forest rendezvous. Rendezvous. Exactly. As they're starting to get hot and heavy, they both notice uh, jewelry around her neck that I assume is from her husband, Rick. Well, it's a wedding ring on the chain too, right? I thought it was a heart-shaped locket. It was a locket and the wedding ring was on it as well. Okay. So she takes it off, puts it in the- Leaves it in the forest. Leaves it in the leaves beside her. I I really thought you could both tell that they felt a little guilty about it. Yeah. I think so. That's the feeling I, I got. I put it in my pocket, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, but she's going to probably take her pants I'm, off. I, well, still, I assume <laughs> that when she goes back to camp, she's going to try and remember her pants. And Probably. Prob- might not remember the locket that she left on the grass. I would have put it in my pocket. Well, you're always thinking. 
always when, when you're out having sex with other people. That yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, it, you know, not really other people. <laughs> or people. People. Person. Uh so that's how the show opens. We get more reason to dislike Shane, I would say. Well, and I, and Lori, for that matter. Well, I don't know if I dislike him. It's a perfectly reasonable thing to do. You know, you think your husband's well, dead and you're looking for a father figure for your son, which we later on get to see a, a shot of mm -hmm. that she enjoys. Uh, you know, I don't think it's entirely unreasonable. I don't really see this as an extramarital thing, right? Well, she thinks he's dead, which makes it okay. If, if your spouse dies, you're allowed to have sex with other people. Well, yeah. I mean, there's obviously a you know a grieving period that uh, you know is, is appropriate, but that's more of a social thing, and the social structure, as we know, is probably just gone. Right? It's just gone. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't see this as a reason to dislike them. I see this as a reason to go, uh oh. But in well, sure. But in context of the show, I think in general people are getting a bit of a bad taste in their mouth when it comes to Shane. Oh, especially. Shane's annoying. I don't like Shane. <laughs> well, he might not be around that long. You know, that's fine. We'll find out. So we cut to Rick in the tank. The camera pans down from the high point that we ended the last episode at, yep, which I thought good. was really cool. It it's like nice. we, we came back in and the sound slowly faded in, which was fun. It was another one of those shots that reminded me of Firefly, where the, if the camera's that far away, you wouldn't hear anything. And then as it gets closer, you'd slowly start to hear the sound, right? Um, he's still on the radio with... Glenn and Glenn is explaining how to escape. He says the zombies are distracted with the horse, and you got to make a break for it. Yeah, that, that's his advice. What's what's your advice? Make a run for it. Make a run for it. Well, there was some good comic relief here because Glenn says you're surrounded by walkers. That's the bad news. Rick said there's good news, and Glenn says no. <laughs> uh, so Rick grabs. Uh, he already has the gun. He looks around for anything else he can take. He finds a grenade. Yes, he does, which is cool. Um, and he makes his break for it. He hops out. He runs down. He sh he runs along the sidewalk. He's shooting zombies, and Run. he meets Glenn. Yep, not dead. Not dead. And they climb up to a rooftop and ultimately get back to the department store to meet the rest of the group. Okay, so one thing I noticed here, uh, when uh, the two guys came out of the department store with the baseball bats and started bashing in the zombies. Yeah, just as they got there. Just as they got <clears> there. Uh, when they hit the heads, there was like spurting blood. Out of the zombies' heads. Out of the zombies' heads. All right. Uh, I'm I'm still not sure if that was actual spurting blood, meaning that they have a working circulatory system, or whether it was just like bashing the head and blood spray. You know, just kind of out of the bash. But if it was spurting blood, like arterial, kind of. Well, to me, I think if you were to hit a living person in the head with a baseball bat, the first couple of hits, you don't really spurt blood. You just crack the skull. Right. Right? And I'm not even sure if blood sprays out if you crack somebody's skull anyways, because it's it's your brain, right? There's not... That's on Dexter. Okay, well. <laughs> and if Dexter says it's true, then why not? <laughs> um, but with a zombie, you know, they could be in a advanced state of decay. So they're, if their skull isn't very that intact anyways, right. and you hit it a couple times, it might spray out right away. Okay, so I, I just was thinking that there might have been like some kind of arterial blurting kind of thing, and I just thought that that would be a bit weird for a dead person. It would be a little bit. You know, it was probably just them, you know, wanting to throw in a little bit of extra blood there, so why not make it spray around a little bit? It's oh. good good for the effect, I think. Good blood spurting. So just as Rick and Glenn arrive back at the department store, Andrea's there with, amongst other people, and she immediately puts a gun to Rick's head and accuses him of uh, almost getting them all killed. Okay. 
because he's drawn the zombies to them. I have a problem with uh, the concept of her not knowing how to use a weapon yet and what she did with that weapon holding it to Rick's head. Well, at that point, we don't know that she doesn't know how to shoot the gun, but yes, she's an amateur. She's she's new at, at weapons. Her finger was not on the trigger. I noticed that, too. Her you, finger wasn't on the trigger. You only do that when somebody tells you that you need to do that unless you intend to pull the trigger. So she had some kind of training to not put her finger on the trigger. Oh, really? So so anyone, if I just picked up a gun never having held one, I would immediately put my finger on Generally, the trigger. Generally, that's what a lot of people would do. You that's pick what up guns the, are you for. You put your, your finger on the trigger. Right, but she had her finger alongside of the trigger, and they train you to do that for safety. Well, I think this might be a continuity error in that case because yeah. I looked at that and thought, "Man, they someone dropped the ball and they didn't tell her to put her finger on the trigger." You know, yeah. who knows? But it bothered me a little bit because I thought no one would hold a gun without doing that. The, but poli- I, the police I, do that. Yeah, but see, I didn't know that. I yeah. didn't know that it was a training issue. Yeah. So yeah, it might be a continuity thing. It might be the you know they do have people on set training these people how to safely uh, use weapons. Like even weapons that have uh, blanks in them are still extremely dangerous. Oh yeah, the uh, the gases that come out. There's little uh, little bits. There's still gunpowder in the uh, in the in the blank cartridges, right? There's just no uh, there's no round in it, and so the uh, the sp- <coughs> you know the, sh- the shot from that can burn and uh, especially at that close range. At yeah, at any range. But don't they? have guns for movies and TV shows that don't actually fire anything? Like they're purely prop guns? Wouldn't well, they use well, a gun like that know. when there's a scene where there's no intention of shooting it? Uh, that I don't know. It's hard to do because uh, the uh, the blank rounds, the reason they have the gas in there is because, uh, well, it depends on the, uh, like, okay, she was holding some kind of semi-automatic pistol, right? Uh, so if she were to fire that, an actual blank round, there's a little hole at the end of the barrel that uh, when, when the bullet fires, some of the gas the uh, goes up into that hole and pushes a piston back, which actually recocks the weapon. Mm-hmm. So uh, they, you need that gas for a blank. If you have a blank, you just fire it. If you didn't have that gas coming out, the weapon wouldn't recock and it wouldn't uh, behave as a semi-automatic. It would just be a single shot. So uh, that gas that's coming out is superheated, and, and that at that close range, I assume that the damn thing wasn't loaded, even with blanks. Like, yeah. make sure that that thing is not loaded. Yeah. And when you're pointing it at somebody at point-blank range. But uh, what the hell was my point? I have no idea. Her finger would have been on the trigger. I don't know. Yeah, what it, I think it would have been, too. And it, it bothered me that it wasn't because I thought it was just sloppy work, basically. Right. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Brandon Lee died filming The Crow yeah. due to a blank. Yeah, I'm, I've heard... I'm not sure. Uh, I've heard uh, an, a real round was actually accidentally loaded. I've heard a blank was fired too close because sometimes not all the uh, the gunpowder will uh, blow up and some it'll shoot out, like little pellets will shoot out super fast. And if that hits you, you get like stippling and burning and kind of right. all kinds of weird stuff. But there might be like a, a, a small object in there as well may have hit him. But Who I've knows? Heard I've, yeah, he died because of a mishandled uh, firearm on set. Okay. So Rick mentions that he was trying to flag the helicopter which they mention again. That's good. And the rest of the crowd accuses them basically of seeing things, as in there's no helicopters here. You're seeing things. So who knows? Who knows if Rick was imagining that because he wanted to so badly, you know? And uh, Merle was on the roof. You think he saw the helicopter? Well, if he was on the roof, he would have seen the helicopter. You well, they, they weren't talking to him at that time, so uh, maybe he did see the helicopter, and uh, by the time they got up to him, the conversation changed. It sure did, but... 
you'd think that's the kind of thing you'd mention. Well, he was busy shooting his <laughs> rifle, right? <laughs> yeah. But speaking of uh, Merle and the roof, that's exactly where we head next. And there he is, and he's firing at zombies. And they're like, what are you doing? You're just attracting attention. Now, Merle Dixon is a pretty serious redneck, if yep. I can use such a term. He argues with T-Dog and has a fight, and they drop the N-word. Three times the N-word was dropped well, in that, this episode. That was the first one. After, they're, after they fight a bit, Rick steps in and handcuffs Merle to a pipe. That was and awesome. He, yeah, he tells him, I'm officer friendly. <laughs> <laughs> there are no N-words anymore, and there are no redhead... Redhead. <laughs> there are no redheads. I paraphrase. There are no redhead... Oh, Red man. dead. Redneck <laughs> shitheads either. Just white meat and dark meat. <laughs> Pretty good line. I'm, and I'm glad I'm not the actor because I couldn't spit it out. Yeah. I thought that was a racial slur as well right at the uh, when I first time I heard it. But then I realized that it wasn't. They were talking. He was talking about zombies. Uh, white meat and dark meat? Yep. Well, it kind of was. I think he was saying there's white people and black people. No, no. The he zombies was eat that, us. No, there's only white meat and dark meat. Us, the white meat, and them, the dark meat. The dark meat. meat. Oh, okay. So he was referring to the zombies as, uh, you know, rotten meat kind of thing. All right, sure. That makes sense. Another interesting thing happens then. Rick finds cocaine on Merle and throws it off the building. It was the only reference they made to it, but I think it's interesting that they introduced drugs like that to the show. It's not yeah. in the comic at all. It might just be brief, briefly. There's, there's one thing. It could, but why would they make a point of saying, oh, I notice you have cocaine on your nose, then take it away and throw it off the building? Like, what's the point? Off. I guess just to piss them off, but... You mean from a storytelling point of view? Yeah, I feel like there's there should be something to that. If all you're right. going to make a reference to, to that sort of thing, it's got to lead somewhere. Well, him and his brother could very well be uh, drug dealers, right? Yeah. Traffickers prob- could prob- be anything. Probably were back in real life. Yeah. Um, so at that point, they start talking about how to escape the city, and Rick suggests the sewers. Wait, ja- yeah, we got one thing that uh, he, when he's done with uh, with Merle, he heads over to the ledge, and his hand is shaking. Did you notice that? No. He would head over. He headed over to the ledge of the uh, the edge of the building, and he's he was his hand was shaking, and he grabbed it. His right hand was shaking, and he grabbed it with his left hand. I'm not sure whether uh, that will become significant in the future, or whether it was just, uh, you know, a high stress situation. And uh, his adrenaline bleeding off somehow. Yeah, I, that's what I would think. I, I didn't really make note of it myself, but I think it's probably just, you know, he's he's already had to deal with a lot of crap, and he's not really dealing with it so well yet. Well, no, he hasn't really had a chance. Yeah. He just butt-ended a guy with the rifle, so, I mean, that, yeah. that would upset me if I had to do that, even uh, after yeah. everything he's been through. So as I was saying, they are talking about how to escape the city, and Jackie suggests that an old building like this would have access to the sewer mm-hmm. in the case of flooding, I think she said, right? Yep. Apparently it does. They go down to look for it, and there it is. So Glenn and Morales, one of the other new characters, go in to check it out. And the, the, the cool thing I thought here is that Glenn displayed a lot of good sort of leadership qualities and, and logic reasoning here because they were all just going to pile in and go see where it okay, goes. let's go down yeah. the sewer. And he says, no, 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 I'm going one other person. If it gets bad, I don't want you guys all behind me and clogging up so I get killed. Yeah, he's a very, very smart man. And he gave everybody a job, and they're all like, okay, you're the boss. Let's Let's do this. And I thought that was cool because Glenn doesn't really get to do that kind of stuff in the comic. He does a little bit. As it goes on, he does. He becomes a very important part, but... He's just kind of the guy that gets you stuff, and he stays in the background, right? Glenn is totally my favorite character of this uh, show so far. So far, yeah. 
so far. He's been he's been awesome. Yeah, I, I think he's done a great job. Um, so they go in to check it out. In the sewer, they find an impassable grate with a zombie behind it. Eating a rat. Eating a rat. And it was gross. It was very <laughs> gross. So that's uh, that's no way out. Meanwhile, Merle and T-Dog are talking on the roof. Merle's trying to convince him to cut the handcuffs off, handcuffs off but T-Dog doesn't go for it. Mm-hmm. Smart move, I'd say. Rick and Andrea are guarding the glass doors to the department store, and she finds a mermaid necklace that she's going to take back to her sister, Amy. That's nice of her. Isn't that nice? Yeah. She also apologizes to Rick for putting a gun to his face earlier, and and he tells her next time take the safety off. Cool, because it was her first lesson from Rick about shooting a gun. Yep. And this weapon did have a safety. This one did, eh? This one did have it. He clicked it. Well, sure. But he it, showed it to her, and then he clicked it. It actually had a safety, and he clicked it, and he said, red dot means you're a good shoot. Right. Okay. So that's good to know. Yep. <laughs> when you see the red dot, it's when you can do some killing. Yep. Um... All right. And don't forget to put your finger on the trigger if you want to use it. <laughs> it's very important. Yes. So at this point, the zombies break through the first set of glass doors in the department store. They're getting closer. Multiple glass doors were broken simultaneously, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. <laughs> sure. I, you know what? The glass breaks down at the same rate. I don't know. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> it's more dramatic. It, it, yeah. It did very well seem dramatic, but I just noticed that more than one door broke simultaneously. Yep. So back up on the roof, they're thinking about what to do, and they notice a construction site down the road a bit, and they decide they need to get there and get some uh, get a truck. Get some truck. Get some truck to drive everybody out of there. They're talking about how to do it, and Morales, I think, says, they hear you, see you, and smell you. Mm. Y- you can't get through them as a living person. And that's, of course, when it occurs to Rick... That they need to cover themselves in zombie gore so they smell like the zombies. Ooh. Glenn, as they're grabbing gear to do that, says, if bad ideas were an Olympic event, this would take <laughs> the gold. <laughs> All right, Glenn. Good old Glenn. So the next scene involves them hacking up a body, one of the zombies that they bashed with the baseball bat earlier, and to smear the guts all over Rick and Glenn. The the nice thing here is that before Rick chops him up, he grabs the guy's wallet to learn a bit about him, who yeah. he was before he was a zombie. Um, what he did, you know, he was married, that kind of stuff. Yep. And I, it's it's an interesting show of humanity, I think. And organ donor. <laughs> and the fact that he's an organ donor. Yeah. <laughs> that so made it okay. He gave his organs so that other people might live. Rick says, if I find my family, I'm going to tell them about Wayne. Nice. You know, Wayne saved our life, possibly. So that's pretty cool. Um, now, when they're smearing the guts all over themselves, Rick says, don't get any on your skin or your eyes. And then immediately you see them all with their gloves off, almost touching it. And like it's right up around their collar, no protection on their neck. It's like they didn't listen to him. Well, yeah. You know, she Andrea puts a gun in Glenn's pocket, barehanded. No, his pants. It doesn't matter. He had guts all down, like the the jacket he was wearing. Yeah, she lifted it up with the gloves and then put the you know stuck the thing down the front of his pants. Sure, the her gun hand was barehanded though, and it's just placing it right there. Yeah, and then Rick reached into his pocket for the uh, for, the, for the key for the key. I'm sorry, that's too close. If he's saying don't get any on your skin, that's you know too close. I pretty much wouldn't touch a zombie any zombie gore without like a hazmat suit. Yeah, I Even guess then, so. I'd want two hazmat suits. <laughs> That's right. Put on two hazmat suits. I just think it was weird that they wrote that line in, and then they just had them kind of 
nonchalant. Well, they didn't about get it any on their skin, and none I, got in their eyes. I guess they I'd, didn't. They didn't lick the hand of uh, the one they chopped off and I, put on Glenn. I'd go nowhere near it, frankly. Uh, Zombies are not lollipops. No, they are not. Glenn pukes, which was funny. That was awesome. I don't know why it was funny, but it was. Um, and Rick gives the handcuff key to T Dog to keep safe. Yep. Uh, so. <laughs> and then before they leave, Rick says, give me the axe. I need more guts. <laughs> and there we have our show title. <laughs> yeah. So Rick and Glenn head out to walk through the zombies toward the trucks. Okay. So I have a question here. Yes. And okay. the rest of the group runs up to the roof to watch. Okay. So I have a question. Now, generally, uh, my entire life, I've personally had a bad sense of smell. I have a horrible sense of smell. Uh, something has to stink real, real bad for me to smell it or be really, really good. I just I can't smell anything. So I know zombies don't necessarily have any superpowers, but if I was somebody uh, that, you know, had no sight, like couldn't see or couldn't hear anything, I don't think I could smell the difference between a dead, rotting corpse and a live person covered in rotting meat. Well, no. How can zombies do that without a heightened, you know, superpower? Of some kind. How they can smell the difference between someone covered in gore and someone who's actually dead? Yes. Well, they couldn't until it washed off. Yes, but even then, I don't think I could make that distinction. Oh, well, okay. I see what you're saying. You couldn't do it, so how come a zombie can do it? Well, I don't know. The dead smell so bad. You could smell the difference between a dead person and a living person. I could tell the difference between a dead person and something else, like or something that's not dead, but they're covered in gore. I don't think I can make that distinction. I can only assume that they can smell the living flesh. No, they smell the fact that we don't smell like them. And so when Rick and Glenn were covered, they did smell like them, so they ignored them mostly. But what do they smell like when they don't smell like them? Oh, I think they just, maybe they just don't smell. You know? Like human, like, you know, non-living human people, sometimes we smell, but it's never that bad. I mean, I've smelled some pretty gross homeless guys in the in the ATM vestibule. Well, that's what I assume that they smell like. <laughs> I mean, they've been running around for days on end. They haven't had a shower. They've been working up a sweat. These, you know, wearing the same clothes for a long time. Now they're covered in zombie gore. I'm pretty sure they smell pretty ripe. I just, I can't, I, I don't see how I personally could make that distinction. Okay, from well. From a sense of smell. Now, from a sense of sight, that's another thing. I mean, humans are very, very good at facial recognition and motion rec- recognition, right? <laughs> yes. I, I actually think Shaun of the Dead had it better than uh, than this show because they acted like zombies and moaned and kind of mimicked walking through. Yeah, they did face, like facial expressions. They did the movements. They did yeah. the noises, everything but the smell. Right. That's because I, I think humans are very, very good at facial recognition and motion recognition. And even, you know, sounds are, you know, pretty good. We have a directional sense of sound but uh, and a directional sense of sight. But our, I think as a species, our sense of smell is subpar. Oh, it's absolutely. I mean, compared to cats, dogs, and almost every other animal. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure that, uh, you know, these zombies could smell these, you know, Glenn and Rick. Well, Glenn and Rick did walk, try to walk like the zombies, too. Yeah. And they went slow, and they didn't, you know, sprint through there or anything. So I think we just have to accept the fact that uh, zombies in The Walking Dead are good smellers. Okay. You know, we can do that. And it relates back to the listener we had a few weeks ago who said, how can you smell something if you're not breathing? And if you're dead, how come you're breathing? So if we can accept the fact that the zombies can smell at all, I think we can accept the fact that they can smell better than the average human. Okay. 
I'm okay with it. And it made for good TV, too. And that's really well, the most yeah. important thing. It was very tense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the rest of the group is up on the roof watching, but we cut back to the camp and we see Amy worrying about Andrea and we see Shane teaching Carl how to tie knots, having a very father-son moment. Yes. Really. And, Which Lori uh, liked. Yeah, she looked on and seemed to really uh, enjoy that. But, you know, why wouldn't she? Her her son has lost his father and... Uh, Who apparently wasn't paying very much attention to them anyway. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, so... Sometimes I wonder if you care about us at all. <laughs> sure, but that's that's her perspective. There's two sides to every story. Yeah, at least. <laughs> at least, exactly. Um, suddenly, T-Dog gets a signal to the camp radio and tells them that they are trapped in the department store. Right. Shane says, we do not go after them and risk the rest of the group. They're trapped, they're gone. We're going to stay right here, man. He's a hard ass, man. I don't know, I think he's a chicken shit. I don't know. (laughs) He's a little bit of both, I think. He's looking, he's really doing what he thinks is best for survival. He's like, look, we need stuff. We understand that we should go or send people into the city to get stuff. But if they don't come back, they don't come back. We're not going to send more people to try and get more stuff plus them. Now, granted, they are on the edge of an old quarry, and it's a very, very nice view. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Maybe he wants to stay there. <laughs> he wants to he's stay like, for the view? Yeah, it's, he's in the forest. <laughs> he's got himself a little posse. He's got a nice view of, uh, you know, an old quarry. And he gets to bang his ex-best friend's wife. There's always that. <laughs> There's always if that. You, you know, if you, you like that kind of thing. But anyways, he says, they're trapped, they're gone, we're not going, and Amy storms off. We're surrounded. Oh, they're dead then. Yeah, you know, they're dead then. Come on, man. Well, so we cut back to Rick and Glenn walking through the zombies. It works pretty well until it starts to rain and the smell washes off, and the zombies catch on really quick. Maybe they could, maybe uh, Rick and Glenn got spooked because it was raining and they were worried about the smell coming off, so they started acting differently, which alerted the zombies to like, you know, they're not really walking like one of us. Okay. Maybe we should eat them just to be sure. Just in case. Yes. They might taste good. We'll find out. But what Rick does is he turns around and splits one of them in the head with the axe, which was awesome. Yep. And they make a run for it. Run! The zombies start chasing them, and these zombies were going pretty fast for zombies. They're going pretty quick. They were moving. like I think they were going at a fast jog. I would, yeah. That's how I would describe fast it. Fast shamble. Yeah, but if you're going to put it in living human terms, a fast jog. I think <laughs> it, they were going... Much faster than I expected the zombies in the show to go. They're, they actually can run faster than I can. Because I have bad <laughs> knees and I can't run. I run like an old woman. I've seen you run. Yeah, it's not a pretty it's, sight. It's pathetic. Yeah, uh, so they were running faster than I could. Yeah, and well, then you're screwed, man. Oh, I totally. I am totally screwed. Unless when this happens we get the sh- slowest zombies ever depicted. Yeah, we need the uh, the slow, very slow zombies that uh, fall down a lot. Would that be great. fall down, yeah. Um I also noticed that at once Rick and Glenn get to the fence where the, the truck is behind, they climb over, and the zombies are able to climb the fence, too. Yeah, they climb the fence. They don't just, like, pile against it until it falls down. There's some climbing Which over. Which they did anyway. They did that anyway, sure, but the the better ones climbed right over. It was really I interesting. Um, so they grab the keys for the truck, and they drive out of there just as the zombies bust down that fence. Now, they realize that they need to draw them away from the store, so they grab a fancy sports car. Someone please write in or call in and tell us what kind of car that was because uh, I thought it was a pretty cool-looking car, to be quite honest, and uh, I'd like to know. Um, What happens is they break the window, the alarm goes off, and then Glenn gets in it to drive around and distract the zombies with the noise. 
Yep. Rick heads to the store in the truck, backs up and gets everybody in just in time. Always. Zombies are coming through those glass doors that they were breaking earlier. Yep. And they pile in. Uh, the group is heading down the stairs to the doors. T-Dog goes back to unlock Merle, but loses the key. He drops the key he in falls a drain. Down, goes down a drain. Um, nothing he can do but leave him there, handcuffed to the pipe. Why doesn't he give him a hacksaw? Here's the hacksaw you wanted earlier. I'll see you later. I think maybe they've already taken it down. It's no, gone. No, he dropped. He kicked over the bag. There was a bag of tools, and they actually showed that when he was running back. He kicked over the bag of oh, tools. Oh, yeah, yeah, The tools yeah, yeah, spilled yeah, yeah. everywhere, and then he got down and tripped while, you know, pretending to trip and throwing the key in the, in the drain, which I'm not really sure it was an accident. I think it was an accident. I, I think he was genuinely I meaning to unlock it. He looked it. like he kind of threw it to me. Well, maybe. Oh, I fell. I'll have to watch again. Sorry about that. <laughs> we got it's, We have the luxury of it being kind of in slow motion, so yes. we can see. Uh, but he does lock the door to the roof. He does. That was he, nice of him. He chains it. Now, I didn't think at first that he was locking it so the zombies couldn't get in. I thought he was chaining it so Merle couldn't get out. I, was, I thought he was chaining it so the zombies couldn't get in. I initially thought, hey, that's a nice thing to do. Yeah, but Merle's, if Merle is going to get out of there somehow of his own accord... He's going to want to come back and kill some people, I think. He's got and, a rifle. They left the rifle. That's what I mean. He's going to come back if he can and find them. He's going to be pretty pissed, and he's going to want to kill some of those people. So He's going to want some cocaine is what he's going to want. Maybe. I See, I thought T-Dog was locking the door, so he'd be stuck there, and he couldn't come after them. I don't know. You know? I think he... Uh, I don't know. But if it, he. it was revealed in the in the next week, at least so T-Dog says, he, he did it so that the zombies wouldn't get at him. Always a good excuse. Yep. After everyone piles in, they're driving away in the truck, and the last shot of the episode is Glenn driving down the empty highway that Rick arrived on yep. on horseback, and he's separated from the group, but he sure looks like he's having a fun time driving that car. You know what I appreciated about that scene? The siren was in time with the music. Oh, you know, I didn't pick up on that, but there you go. It's the little things, right? I like right? things like that. Like in the first uh, Pirates of the Caribbean mu- m- movie, the uh, oh, the yeah. fighting, the sword hits were in time with the music. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed that. I do remember that. Yeah. So there you go. That is episode two of The Walking Dead. It was called Guts for obvious reasons. One question I had about Glenn in the uh, in the car at the end was how did he learn how to do a rum runner? You know when you back up and then you jump on the brakes and then you turn around and then you actually keep going without actually stopping? Yeah, that's a pretty cool driving maneuver, but I I don't think it's that uncommon for people to know how to do I it. I don't know. I tried <laughs> one time when I was, uh, we were, uh, I don't know, 17 or something like that. Me and my friend Scott were up in the Sioux in the middle of winter or something. I tried to convince Scott that he could do a rum runner. That's what that's called, that move. I didn't even know that. And... Uh, I told him he could do it, and we we plowed right into a snowbank and spent the next two hours digging ourselves out. Well, serves you right, but I, uh, you know, I think we just got to assume he knows how to do that for some reason. I don't, I don't know if I could do it. Well, we're gonna try but it, right? We'll the, try it on the way home. At the same time, I mean, you you just drive back as fast as you can. Uh, but then you got to spin the wheel, crank the wheel, jump on the brakes. Yeah. Uh, and while you're turning around and on the brakes and turning your wheel the other way, you got to shift into forward. You have to clutch, shift into forward, shift into forward, put, and then turn, go. Take turn, uh, turn off the brakes, but uh, put off the handbrake so that you can go forward. Do you then, use the handbrake? Yeah, for that? you, you got to use the handbrake. Okay. Without, yeah, you wouldn't. Uh, you'd have to. You have to lock the wheels. Right. And, and you know, in the world of anti-lock brakes, that wouldn't work. You just kind of back up, slow down, and hit something. 
right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, no, it's a, it's a whole thing. It's a very, very coordinated thing you have to do to get that car to spin around like that. Well, let's just say Rick knows what he's doing behind the wheel. And you need a, a, a rear-wheel drive. You can't do that with front-wheel drive. Yes, which luckily my car is, so Wait, we won't be trying it on the way That home. may not be true. <laughs> somebody let me know if you can do that with a front-wheel drive. All right, I'm sure somebody knows. So what did you think? I thought it was a pretty great episode. I thought it was pretty good. I was slightly less sort of overwhelmed with awesomeness as I was while watching the premiere. Like, I, I, I loved the first episode. This was a very different kind of episode, too. You know, a lot of action, a lot of, um, a lot of exciting moments, whereas the first one was just Rick waking up, learning about what's going on, and a lot of sort of walking. And Well, it was a different pace, that's for sure. Definitely different pace. But, uh, no, I think I, I enjoyed this episode as much as the first one. What did you think about the new characters? T-Dog, Merle. I like them. Jackie. I like having them around. Morales. Well, we need some more characters. I mean, if it was, uh, you know, really in Atlantic City before they get to the camp, it's just Rick and Glenn. Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta. That's not a, that's the same thing as Atlantic City. Uh, I've been watching Boardwalk Empire. <laughs> so uh, thank you for correcting me. So Atlanta, uh, it was just Rick and Glenn, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, I think the addition of the new characters uh, makes things very interesting. And I think that... Uh, the addition of Merle is very important, especially in this short run of six episodes. We need a Merle. Well, Merle is quite obviously being used to set up conflict with other living characters. Yes. Right? Him and his brother, of course. And I, I noticed that. The rest of them, I did, I liked them. I, I was okay with it. I feel they were, so many were maybe a little bit unnecessary. We didn't need, what were there, five characters? Yeah. You know, and I, I do get the feeling that not all of them might survive all that long. Okay, I think we needed that many characters because who's going? Who's Rick going to lead if there's no one to lead? You know, if there was three of them, you know, it's one thing. But wow. having you know five, I think that's a good solid number to lead. We've got Andrea, Amy, Shane. No, oh, I mean his just wife. in the group in the. Uh, oh, while they're still in the while city. While they're still in the city, they still haven't gotten to the camp yet. That's a whole other ball of wax. Yeah, he needs people to lead, but I guess in. You know, they fleshed out what happens in Atlanta a lot. When in the comic, it's just him and Glenn, they pretty much just escape. Holy crap, we got to get out of here. Okay, let's go. Yeah, so they go. So if they're going to draw it out that much, you're right. They do need people to to do stuff to make it interesting, right? Well, I mean, really, the, the Merle character in the uh, in the graphic novel, how long does it take before we get to a Merle character? Mm-hmm. Right, like we start off with the conflict between Rick and Shane, and then we have the conflict with uh, what's his name at the uh, at the farmhouse, Herschel. Herschel at the farmhouse, like there's that whole thing. But we never really get a uh, Merle until we get to the prison. Yes, that's so, true. So uh, I think that uh, having this this early kind of sets up the uh, that overall tone, right? Because then we get the prison, then there's the governor, and there's this whole yeah. thing, right? So I think having that Merle character right off the bat. Is uh, is important because we need to move this thing along because we only have six episodes. Yeah, you're right, and and it's important to have conflict with other living people than just the zombies. You know, well, we've talked about are that. Kind of, uh, you know, they're you know, if you let them get around you and uh, you get stuck, you're you're screwed. But they're you can pretty much deal with them. Pretty much, but they're fast. <laughs> they're fast. They are than fast. Expected. Um, I thought we were going to have a Rick and Laurie reunion at the end of this episode. Kind so of ended on a high note, but we didn't. I guess they're going to have that early in the third episode. Hope so. What do you think of Glenn? Is he the Hurley of this show? Is he the comic relief or the voice of the audience? Yes, like he is. Hurley was. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was a little worried about that. 
uh, during this episode. I mean, I, I, I think Glenn is a great character and he's my favorite character so far, but I think he's kind of the, uh, the Hurley, the hero, the, uh, from heroes, the hero from heroes, right? Hero from heroes. I think he's that, uh, that comic, uh, relief. And I'm a little worried that it, uh, you know, it's some kind of visible minority being the comic relief. Ah, uh, no, no one's going to care about that. It's just that character can either be kind of annoying or really entertaining. And Hurley was really entertaining. I thought Hero from Heroes was pretty entertaining, too, even though the show went downhill fast. Right. Glenn, we don't know. We'll see which way it goes. So far, I think he's great. I think he's great, too. I'm, I'm really enjoying how he just handles things, you know? Yeah. It's good to see him doing that. Um, now, they also kept calling the zombies geeks. They did. What do you think about that? That I thought it was sort of weird. It was unexpected. You know, I could see it happening once, like maybe one person refers to them that way. But that seems to be the name that they've adopted for the zombies in the show. Geeks. Do they call them zombies? Um They don't. They call them walkers. But They call them walkers. But I think they've adopted geeks for this show. Well, uh, you know, in the first episode it was all walkers and now it seems that the people at the camp have called have started calling them geeks. I can, I can get on board. It's strange. It was unexpected, at least. You know, why Why not just use walkers? I don't know. Geeks are... It, it, I think it's important to come up with a, a belittling term for, for the enemy. Yeah, I suppose. Does the term geek... Does anybody know the history of that term? Like, does it... Well, I think it means some kind of uh, person that bites off the head of live animals. Oh, really? It's an old circus term, maybe. Yeah, that's what I think. I'm going to look it up right now, though. Okay, well, that, that applies. Then. Talk that amongst yourselves while I look this up. <laughs> sure. I think that, that makes sense, then, if they're using the term geek, if it's if that's where it comes from. Obviously, in popular culture, it refers to sort of computer nerds, right? Yep. But, uh, all right, well, if, if it has to do with eating living animals, it perfectly applies. And I am okay with it. Ooh, okay. Uh, the word geek is a slang term with different meanings ranging from a computer expert or enthusiast, such as you or myself, <laughs> uh, to a carnival carnival performer who performs uh, sensationally morbid or disgusting acts. You almost said carnal performer. No, I didn't. Carnival <laughs> performer. Carnal performer. Uh, a particular or otherwise dislikable person, especially one who is perceived to be overly intellectual. Well, I guess that may not apply in this term, in this way. Uh, freak. Uh, anyway. I think on. that I think that works. Disgusting that acts, biting the heads off of chicken, stuff like that. It works for me now. Yep. Geek. Um, okay. And the only other question I have is how will Glenn meet back up with the group? But I don't think he they're going to... where they are. Well, I think he's obviously just going to drive there. The more I thought about it, yeah, what's stopping him with from With that siren blaring, it? I don't think that's a good idea. He should probably turn that off first. Well, I don't know if he can. I think he should ditch the car after driving up and down that road a few times. If you notice, in the preview for episode three, the red car is sitting there at the camp in the background. Okay, well, hopefully he turned off the siren. Yes. The hood is open, though, in the preview. So If he drives up to the camp with that siren blaring... Yeah. I know, it's going to be stupid. I'd shoot him. <laughs> Seriously, like, what are you doing? <laughs> All he has to do, I think, is open the hood, take out a fuse, probably, that controls the car alarm. I doubt it. I mean, well, it's a, a car, car alarm. alarm shouldn't people be are that smarter easy. than that. It's like, oh, a car alarm fuse. Boink. All right, well. And it's not under the hood. It's in the under the dashboard or somewhere around there. 
Well, I don't know. Do you know where the fuse box is in your car? Yeah, there's two. There's some under the dashboard, and there's some in the engine compartment. All right. So the one in the engine compartment is probably has to do with the alarm. Maybe, but even then, I mean, a fuse... As soon as I said it, I'm like, no, that can't be right. I mean, (laughs) thieves know how to open the hood of a car and take a fuse out before they drive it away or whatever. But then again, you have to break into the car to open the hood, so maybe not. I don't know. But then the alarm goes off. Anyway, I don't know much about car alarms. (laughs) So... Suffice it to say, hopefully he disables that car alarm before he drives back. So, what do we have coming up on episode three, which is titled Tell It to the Frogs? Tell It to the Frogs. Yeah. So, that has to have something to do with, uh, I don't know, being out in the woods. Maybe, I don't know. The preview, the extended preview that's available on amcthewalkingdead.com is a conversation between... Merle's brother, Daryl, who's at the camp, and Shane and Rick primarily, they're explaining to him what had to happen, and they left him there handcuffed to a pipe. Right. And uh, then they decide, well, Daryl says he's going to go back and get him. And throws a bunch of squirrels at Rick. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Throws a bunch of squirrels at Rick. You don't want to get hit with a bunch (laughs) of squirrels. Look out, squirrels. (laughs) He had a whole mess of squirrels there. He he sure did. They were going to eat him. Yep. But I guess he got him. Squirrels are good in eating. Whatever it's the you meat say. that grows on trees. <laughs> there you go. It's, what about pigeons? No, no, pigeons are rats. They're flying not so rats. Good. Uh, Squirrels good. So, but then Rick says, "I'm going back to get my bag of guns." And uh, <laughs> oh, and your brother, by the way. And your brother, by the way, exactly. <laughs> so, um, we'll see. I mean, I hope Rick doesn't go back in by himself. Okay, so here's the difference between Rick and Shane. You know, uh, Shane hears that a whole bunch of people from their camp are surrounded in the store, and he's like, oh, they're dead. Forget it. Whereas Rick shows up, and there's one guy surrounded in the, by, in the same store, even in a worse situation than the rest of the people were in, and he's like, I'm going back to get him. And they know that the store is full of zombies. Yes. Now, the store is not just surrounded. It's full of zombies. Yeah. So Rick is going to go back. But he he's going for the guns primarily, too. Well, he's still going back. Shane would not go. He's like, forget the guns. The guns are gone, man. Here's the episode recap so far from uh, episode three from uh, the AMC TV site. Rick makes a decision to go back to Atlanta to retrieve the bag of guns and save a man's life. Well, we know who the man is. Who's that guy? Lori and Shane must deal with the surprising return of someone they thought was dead. (gasps) Oh, no. Who could it be? (laughs) Who could it be? I have no idea. Could it be the object of the first sentence? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. There's also a picture right above that that shows them reuniting for the first time. (laughs) Oh, the suspense. (laughs) The suspense. Someone. I know. Uh, Those recaps are stupid. (laughs) So, I wonder if she forgot her uh, sex necklace in the woods. Oh, I bet she did. And how oh, I have my ring. Oh, I left it in the woods when I was having sex with your partner. Oops. Oopsie. I mean, looking for mushrooms. Let's go look at the flat spot <laughs> in the woods where we had sex. Maybe we can find it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's going to be a good episode, but you know, I really don't know where it's going to go. After the first two, which I had a pretty good idea of what we'd yep. see, I'm getting to a point now where. I don't know what's coming next. Well, seriously, like what's going? Like, I mean, they'll go back to Atlanta. That's when uh, 
you know, I assume that that actually happens because they said it would in their do we recap. yeah. But I we don't know if they go back in then get back to the camp by the end of the episode. If we don't know, they could go into Atlanta somehow retrieve the guns and Merle and come back in the first twenty minutes, and then a whole bunch of other stuff could happen at the camp. We don't know, and we don't know what we're leading to in episode four either. Other than I think that's when the Vatos show up. Where are the frogs? And we don't know who the frogs are. Maybe uh, Merle and Daryl are really, really jonesing for drugs, and they start licking frogs. There's mushrooms too. Don't forget the mushrooms. There, there are mushrooms. There's that's psychotropic sure. stuff all over the place around there. Well, they're gonna crawl into the old uh, rock quarry, and they're gonna lick some frogs, eat some mushrooms. <laughs> and, well, they're gonna lick. They're gonna eat the mushrooms, and then they're gonna tell stories to the frogs. I don't see why not. <laughs> of course, this is gonna happen. Tell it to the frogs. <laughs> You know, it's probably just some offhanded reference to, you know, I could see it being like, you say it to someone when they're telling you something that's obvious, that you okay. already know. Like, Maybe listen, Rick and you Shane don't... are sitting around the fire late at night one time, and the frog's going, <laughs> Tell it and, to the frogs. And Rick is saying something to Shane, and Shane's like, yeah, I hear you. Tell it to the frogs. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. And, you know, now that I think about it, is there a scene in the comic that's similar to that? I don't remember any frogs. Maybe not frogs, but something like that. I don't know. I could be making things up. Look, Rick, sure. I slept with your wife like 14 seconds after she thought you were dead, or 14 <laughs> seconds after I convinced her you were dead. Oh, yes. Because she wanted to go back for you, but of course, I couldn't allow that because I can't go for back for anybody or anything. I want to stay right here. I'm a giant coward. With your wife. All right. So that is going to be Tell It to the Frogs. We'll see. We'll do a recap next week. Let's do a little bit more listener feedback, shall we? Sure. This comes from Ray. He says, hi, guys. Found your podcast this morning. Pretty good stuff. One thing that I was surprised you didn't mention, uh, and if you've addressed this in prior episodes, forgive me. There's one particular zombie, the guy that looks vaguely like Jim Carrey. <laughs> okay. He appears in many of the different publicity shots. In those photos, we see the same actor in several makeups depicting progressively uh, progressive stages of decomposition. As he is wearing the same costume in all of them, it's pretty. I'm pretty certain that he is playing the same character, which we will see over multiple episodes as he slowly rots away. Here's the interesting part. When Rick has popped out of the upper hatch of the tank and all the zombies are either attacking the tank or eating the horse, there's a shot of this zombie just standing there glaring at Rick. It's just a couple of seconds, but it implies a lot. Hmm. It sort of begs the question as to what is up with this particular zombie. I'm curious to know what you think about this. Thanks for the podcast. Okay, so I think I know which zombie he's referring to. Black-suited zombie. Black-suited zombie. Um, now, I wasn't aware that his makeup was different in the different shots, showing a progressive state of decay. I must admit, I didn't notice that either. I'm going to go back and look. Yeah, it's really, really interesting if that's what's going on there. Uh, I've always sort of held the theory that the zombies do slowly decay, especially if they don't eat, maybe. Yeah. But re regardless, they do slowly decay, and as they do so, they become slower and more lethargic, maybe. More bicycle girly. Yeah, exactly. She has no legs, so she's going to be pretty slow. But when they're fresh zombies, they can move faster, and they can climb fences and things like that. Right. Once they've started to decay, they probably can't do those things anymore. So it is interesting if uh, this is true, what uh, Ray says, and that they're depicting a zombie sort of going through these stages. That's well, fun. I think he's also saying that the uh, you know when he came out of the hatch, the zombie was looking at him like, 
some kind of nemesis kind of thing yeah. or is it uh, some kind of uh, awareness and maybe he's organizing other Nazi zombies to attack them in the winter? <laughs> I'm not really sure. Who knows? It is weird. If, if, if that was their intention to just have him standing there looking at him rather than attacking, it potentially says a lot about how these zombies work. Yep. Right? I, I hope it's not really indicative of a uh, nemesis zombie. I really don't want a nemesis No, zombie. I definitely don't want a boss zombie that yeah. they have to fight at some point, you know? That would be weird. But, uh, Ray, thanks for your email. This one comes from Bill. He says, hey, guys, this is my first email, and I just wanted to say what an awesome job you do. Thanks, Bill. I'd like to say, Bill, thank you so much for choosing us to send your very first email to. That's amazing. <laughs> so far, the show has been amazing. <laughs> That's what I said. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy the little changes that they have made to keep us all in the know about the story on the edge of our seats. Aside from some of the accents, the acting has been top-notch. I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. Especially Morgan and Glenn. Oh, yeah. My favorite character in the book was always Andrea, and I am hoping they keep her on the same basic plot lines in the books. I believe they will due to the fact that they had a scene specifically pointing out how inept she is with a pistol. That will give them a good lane for character growth towards the badass sharpshooter that she becomes. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be cool to see her develop. She's one of my favorite characters, too, I must admit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, hopefully she sticks around for a long time and, and we do get to see her progress a little bit. I agree. It's going to be great. Finally, we have one call on the voicemail line. This comes from Evil Prodigy, regular caller. Here's what he had to say. Gentlemen... Evil Prodigy here, Northern California. It's been a while. Um, I'm still listening out here. Uh, do have to say that now that the show has uh, gone underway, you guys um, are better than ever. Definitely. Um, I'm going to really enjoy getting your guys' uh, after, or shall we say post-show commentary. Um even Dave, unless he's got some sort of emergency going on. <laughs> Which he does sometimes. But anyway, we're still listening out here. Um, you guys are doing awesome. Keep it up. Um, look forward to uh, the next episode after uh, AMC episode two. I'd like to hear what you guys have to say about it. Evil Prodigy, out. out. All right. Thank you, Evil Prodigy, for writing in. Calling in, my friend. Uh, sorry, calling in. All I have to say is, boop, boop, beep, boop. <laughs> I, I don't know, know what that was. It sounded like he was at an airport or something, and they were, I don't know, they were signaling people to line up now. I don't know. could have been a train, could have been a yeah, bus. I don't know. Beep, boop. Who knows? Who knows? Thanks for calling in, though, and uh, letting us know your thoughts. Uh, it's great. I think on that, are we done? Oh, we got iTunes reviews. iTunes reviews. We've got two iTunes Tell reviews. us about the new iTunes reviews well, this week. Well, we've got two of them. We've got uh, one uh, five-star review. Check it out by RazzleDazzle77. Uh, I listen to a few Walking Dead podcasts and enjoy them all, but this has got to be my favorite name yet. The Talking Dead is an excellent podcast. The hosts are entertaining, and I love that they don't spoil their listeners. <laughs> I, do, I don't read the comics. Oops. Uh, oops. Uh, check this podcast out. You won't be disappointed. Well, thank you, RazzleDazzle77. Thank you, sir. We've got one more. Uh, this one's entitled Roar by uh, Jason uh, Kabassi. 
Uh, love these guys. They're funny, easygoing, knowledgeable, and yes, well-spoken. A pleasure to listen to. P.S. I think it's especially funny when Jason goes off on absurd tangents and says, some, says something like, yeah, I think we can assume that's what's going on. <laughs> uh, is that it? That, that's it. Jason? They're pretty absurd, yeah. I, I happen to know him a little bit. He is the host of the Walking Dead cast, awesome. one of the hosts, along with Karen. So thanks, Jason, for giving us a review, and uh, we love your show, too. I will try uh, to go off on more ridiculous tangents. <laughs> yeah, well, it happens. It's okay. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Absurd tangents. Absurd. <laughs> and you know what? We do make a lot of assumptions here, so we well, rely yeah. on people to write in or call in and Make us look stupid and tell us how things really are. I'm absolutely sure that Merle and Daryl are going to be licking frogs and eating <laughs> mushrooms. <laughs> I have a feeling that it's Merle and Durl. Merle and Durl? It's not Daryl. It's Durl. Durl? Merle and Durl. Merle and this is my brother Durl and this is my other brother Merle. Exactly. That's good stuff. I know. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Well, I can't see why not. Uh, exactly. All righty, let's wrap things up. We've been going for a long time here. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. We will, of course, be back next week with episode number 31, where we will discuss show number three. Three? What's uh, it called? Tell It to the Frogs. Oh, yeah, right. We as, talked about that, didn't we? As we've been through. As we've talked about many times. In the meantime, we would love for you to write or call in and give us your feedback. Let us know what you think. Correct our errors, anything like that. You can email us at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash talkingdead, or visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the big news for the week, big everybody. Big news. The old phone line that you used to call to call us... Doesn't spell anything. <laughs> doesn't spell anything. <laughs> the new phone line new that you phone can use line. to call us does indeed sort of spell something. Sort of. That's... But, that's a step up. But the the most exciting news is that it is a toll-free number. Toll-free. The old one was a long-distance call for everybody who wasn't in Seattle, I think. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> the, the service is based in Seattle, so I think oh, okay. that's what it is. Um, we now have a toll-free number. Now, it's brand new, and I'm not sure how it works yet, but I'm pretty sure if you call, you'll get our our welcome message and then you'll leave a message. Well, I'm sure that's what'll happen. It's like an answering machine. It's an answering <laughs> machine, but it's toll free. It's called the Zombline. Zombline. And we Zomb. and we want you to call it at 866-483-ZOMB. Zomb. That's 866-483-ZOMB. For those of you that don't have letters on your telephone, that's 9662 at the end. So, everybody, if you were thinking about calling but weren't sure if you wanted to make a long-distance phone call, now you've got no excuse. Yep. <laughs> no reason Toll not. Toll-free Zomb line. There Zomb you go. Zomb line. Call us on the Zomb line. Zomb line. Yes. Z-O- B is for bargain. <laughs> 866-483-9662. Excellent. <laughs> Z-O-M-B is for bargain. <laughs> Very good. Uh, so, good. Please call. We'd love to hear from you. And... Uh, what you think of the show or us, and we'll play it on the air. Anything else before we sign off for this week? I don't believe so. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with episode number 31. Bye. we know is gone. No Google, no Amazon.com, 
No email, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Hey everybody, this is Brad. The Half Hour Wasted and Legion of Dudes family is proud to bring you a new show, The Walking Dead TV Podcast. Each week, we will talk in-depth about the latest episode of AMC's new series, The Walking Dead. The new TV show starts this Halloween, and we could not be more excited about it. You can catch our new podcast on iTunes or at www.walkingdeadtv.com. Leave a light on, tune in, and try not to get bit. <laughs>